Welcome to the City Rev Life Podcast. My name is Justin. I'm sitting here with Pastor Craig. Hey. Hello, Craig. How, How you doing? Are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Oh, Excited okay, to good. talk about what is going to be a challenging topic. Yeah. And uh, this series we're in, it's been about tough questions. And so we are going to go for a tough one. Yeah. So the question that we are tackling today, uh, it is, it's difficult, but it's, does God choose the sins that we struggle with? Is he the one choosing that for yeah. us? Yeah. So that's a loaded question. Um, and it's a question that in order for us to really tackle, uh, what we wanted to do rather than looking at one specific passage of scripture yeah. is get a little bit of a survey of some key theological pillars uh, right. for us to anchor ourselves to before we come back around to answering that question. It's like when you ask a pastor a question and they won't give you a direct answer and they have to then go back <laughs> and give you the whole history of the world before that's, they give you an answer. That's right. Yeah. I hope you fall asleep <laughs> at some point right. so that you don't actually hear us right. answer the really hard question. No. Right. Cool. No, awesome. we're, we're going we're gonna to give some Please scripture. stay tuned. Please keep listening. Yeah. yeah. So um, to kick us off, here are the kind of the three areas that we're going to tackle, yeah. and we're going to look at a couple of scriptures under each of these headings. So we're going to talk about God's sovereignty. It's a really key factor in this conversation. We're talking about human responsibility, um, that we are accountable and responsible as human beings for our choices and decisions. And we're going to talk about, third, God's holiness, yeah. uh, and specifically the way he relates to sin. And so uh, those are kind of the the ways that we're going to tackle this question. And really at the root of this question is what is the relationship between God's sovereignty and human responsibility. So we're going to start there, yeah. uh, tackling that very easy questions that Good. Uh, that theologians have totally not been debating for a couple of right, millennia. right. Well, let me let me start off with this scripture for you. All yes. right, Isaiah forty six ten uh, says that God declares the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, "My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose." So, what does that tell us about God's sovereignty? That's a lot of Bible language. Yes. It's a lot of big Bible words. Yes. Um, but from what it sounds like, it sounds like God, he is very aware of the beginning and the end. Yeah. Uh, things that have not yet happened, God knows them. It also seems to me that God has complete and total authority over yeah. the beginning and the end. Um, and what, what else would you add to that? Yeah, and that he has a purpose for all of our days has a purpose for this time between the beginning and the end and that he is working that out to accomplish his purpose, that it will happen. I mean, there's this, this resoluteness, this absolute uh, nature that he's talking about is this will come to pass. This will yes. happen. So uh, to give like a practical example in scripture, the, the one that's most clear, I think for a lot of people, for me especially is God's purpose in sending Jesus, yeah. the Messiah to suffer and die. Yeah as the means of our forgiveness yeah. uh, and raise him from the dead. And at the same time, Judas betraying Jesus right. is doing the work of the devil. Yeah, there are a lot of people who sinned along the way yes. and disobeyed God in their own personal actions for and, this to be accomplished. And in the process of that, God's purpose was being fulfilled. Yeah. And God wasn't up in heaven like, oh no, my plan is thrown off because people sinned. Right. You know, everything is happening under his sovereign rule. Okay, let's take that macro idea of sovereignty, okay. take it to an individual level. So Psalm 139, verse 13, it says this, For you, God, 
formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. This is describing God's activity in forming individual human beings. There's no two human beings that are the same, right. even identical twins. There's personality differences. There's uniqueness. We are all single. beautiful snowflakes. We are all beautiful <laughs> snowflakes. <laughs> Thank you, Craig. Yes. I'm, I'm moved. And then drop down to verse 16, well, Psalm 139. It says, God, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, yeah. the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. So David, reflecting on how God made him, the psalmist writes that God has a book. And this is a theme in scripture. This yeah. comes up from time to time. God has a book. Yeah. And it's probably a metaphorical book, uh, but it's this idea or it's this picture that God has written out and formed days for us. Right. That means that his sovereign rule, his plans and his purposes, he has prepared this future. He knows the beginning and the end, and that applies on an individual He's written life. the story of our life yes. and then also the story of the world. Right. Yes. We see that throughout scripture on a personal level and in a big level. Both of these stories are yeah. going according to his authorial intent. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. So there's God's sovereignty. We could do so much more, but that hopefully is sufficient. Good. Let's turn the corner. Let's talk about our responsibility. Yes. So, man, when we think about our responsibility and God's sovereignty, it gets tangled pretty quickly, yeah. right? And so you look at from the beginning, right? As you say, on page one of the Bible, right? We see uh, Genesis two and three. We see the fall of man. Adam and Eve rebel against God, right? They yeah. listen to the serpent. They fall into sin. And so you start to see again, the, the working of God's sovereignty and ultimately man's responsibility come into play. So we know that God created Adam and Eve. That's yeah. what the Bible teaches us, that God placed them in the garden. Mm -hmm. We know that God allowed the serpent to be in the garden, right? That, that didn't happen without God's permission. He is more right. powerful than the serpent. And yet, at the same time, all these circumstances were in play for Adam and Eve to eat the fruit and rebel against God to sin, and yet they are still held responsible for their actions. Adam even tries to get out of it, right? When he's yeah. accused by God, Adam says, well, it was this woman that you gave to me so that gave me this fruit. God's fault. Right. <laughs> he, tries it, right? he tries to do that. But we know that still, even in that, God still holds Adam and Eve responsible for, for yeah. what they did. Yes. And so it, what's being described here in Genesis 2 and 3 is God gives Adam and Eve a choice. Yep. He gives them a tree, right? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that tree represents, is man going to try and get wisdom and decide for themselves right. what's right and good and wise? Are they going to try and seize the authority that only God has on their own terms? Or will they trust and believe and come under God's good authority over their lives. That's yeah. the choice. And God holds them accountable and yep. responsible for that choice. I also think in the New Testament of a moment when Jesus, he's looking over the city of Jerusalem and reflecting on it. This is Matthew 23, verse 37. And Jesus says this, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Uh, this passage, it re represents Jesus like a mother hen. Yeah. And um, I didn't grow up on a farm, so this metaphor doesn't really do it for me. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. But it's tough. 
But uh, just picturing uh, a mother hen protecting her little chicklets. Right. We've seen cartoons of farms. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Jesus, he has this desire, um, like this motherly desire to bring his children under his wings, under his care and protection. Yeah. But he's weeping and he's just distraught in his spirit and he's torn up inside because they weren't willing. They were stiff-necked. They right. were refusing to repent and to come under the authority of God's Messiah. Right. And it breaks the heart of Jesus. So so we see that that dynamic at play again where Jesus knows this. This isn't a surprise correct. to Jesus that Jerusalem would he's reject not him. He's not shocked. No, but at the same time, he still laments it. He still weeps over their decision to reject him. Yes. So we see both again at play of God's plan and his sovereignty yeah. and human responsibility yes. and human response to God's prompting as well. Yes. So just to kind of then turn the corner, we're going to hit the third one. We've hit on sovereignty, responsibility. Let's talk about God's holiness and yes. specifically his relationship to sin. Yes. There's a number of places we could go, but watch. James 1.13 yes. says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Mm. So to kind of roll back the plan of our life and see where we are in the world. Like Adam saying, Hey, you know, I wouldn't be in this situation, God, if you didn't create Eve and let the serpent come in here and yeah. bring this fruit to me. God saying, no, no, no. Or at least James is saying, God cannot tempt anyone or he does not tempt anyone and he cannot himself be tempted with evil. So we can't blame our evil, blame our sin on God. Yes. Even though, he knows where we are and knows our situation and knows kind of the situations we'll be in. Yes. And so what's uh, one of the ways that this is described is God does not author sin yeah. from the sense that he's not the, you know, the one, the empowerment. He's not empowering sin. Right. He is not um, to use kind of the, uh, the mythological picture of, you know, the gods up in heaven playing with a chessboard of humans and kind of making this one do that and this one do that. And the picture of uh, God in the Bible is not of a God who's up in heaven moving chess pieces for people to kill each other and forcing and causing people like a puppeteer right. to uh, commit sin. That is not the picture here. James says God does not tempt anyone with evil. Right. You can't blame God when you make a decision to dishonor him. Right. Yet at the same time, he uses the sin and evil that people commit to accomplish his purpose. Correct. And so you have that just come up again and again in the Bible. I think about like the the nations that God would use and the Bible would describe how yeah. God would use these Babylon, four nations Assyria. to right to attack Israel yes. as judgment for Israel's sin, but yet still hold those nations accountable for attacking his people. Yes. You know, exactly. and so you see that at play again all throughout scripture. Yes. And so kind of to round out those those three principles, we're trying to bring those together to address the question, does God choose the sin that we struggle with? And kind of here's where we come back to. God is sovereign. He has a yeah. plan. There's no surprise to him. God has complete authority. He's formed our days for us. Yeah. He is sovereign in our personality. He's sovereign in how he made us. Um, the desires we have, the things that are unique about who we are, those are intentional by God. Yeah. At the same time, we are in a fallen world where humans are responsible. What happened in the garden uh, that we just talked about 
has ramifications for our lives today. And we, at the core of our sin, whatever your sin struggle, your temptations might be, at the core is this impulse to try and seize authority away from God and decide for ourselves what's good and what's evil. Yeah. We try and be our own God. It's pride that's at the root of every type of temptation, every type of sin. Every temptation, regardless of what your temptation is towards, comes back to, did God really say? Sure. And so the question then is, did God, does God choose the sin that we struggle with? To answer that question, God designed who we are as people, right? made our personalities. Uh, he wired us with specificity. He knit us together in our mother's womb. God has a purpose for how he's going to make us like Christ for those who are believers yeah. in Jesus. And that journey of being formed into the image of Christ includes the ways that he made us knowing good and well with the old self that still rules, what sins and temptations we will struggle with and sins and temptations will be drawn towards. Yeah. And he intends to even use those as a means of God sanctifying us and making us more like him as we depend on him. What, what would you yeah. add to that? I just go back oftentimes and I think that, you know, I trust that, that God's ways are not our ways. That's what the book of Isaiah teaches yes. us, right? His ways are higher than our ways. And mm-hmm. so he is at work and he has a plan that is a lot more complex and a lot bigger mysterious. than I can think of mysterious, yeah. right? Than I can think of even in my, yeah. in my life. But yet when I think about my life on a day to day practical level, I'm still called to honor God and yeah. right with my own, my own attempt, right? I'm trying right with my own sort of desire to live for God, even though God knows the family that I was born into, he knows, you know, the past that I've had, what's he, knows, been done to you? he knows what's been done to me and God, it's still working all these things out together through his plan. He's not surprised by these things yeah. yet. I still can't use these as excuses to then sin, Yeah. but also I can go to God and know that God has an understanding of who I am and yeah. what I've been through. And so, I mean, like, that's a big part of the, the incarnation that Jesus was here for us, that he's been tempted and tried. Like, Jesus knows what it's like yeah. to be tempted to sin. And so our God is not distant from us in that. Um, but yet at the same time, uh, God is still good and can empower us and yeah. can can even flip those circumstances too, right, at times mm-hmm. and, and really change our lives. So, uh, you know, all those things kind of come at play, but I'd really like to try to to try to narrow it down for us, right? So if someone here is listening and they're thinking, you know, hey, I've, I've got this sin, and right, we can use the example of anger and say, you know, say I'm just an angry person and it, mm-hmm. it comes up a lot. My responses are not what I want them to be. I see it affecting my family, yeah. my work, like the people around me. And, yeah. and I look at other people in my life and it's just not a problem for them. Things right. happen, it just rolls off their back, you know, and, and that's not something I want, yeah. right? And so did God give me this struggle? And, and did God choose for me to be an angry person? And then how do I respond to this, right? If it's, yeah. if it's part of God's plan, what am I supposed to do then? Yes. So to use the example of anger, I think this is, is a great way to kind of make this real and practical. So, uh, and first of all, to zoom out as well, I think most of us, when it comes to the struggles that we have, temptations, um, we're, we're unique people. Uh, I think many of us 
have this sense that what I struggle with is the worst, you know? Yes. And that, so like for the, <laughs> you're like, you, yeah. you agree, yeah. Craig. Yeah. You don't understand. I am the worst. You don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Um, so when it comes to the person who they, they've got an anger issue, right? the thing that's so easy for us to notice is, man, they, they just don't like, I'm the only person that's dealing with this right. or you name it, whatever yours is. We have this tendency to think I've got a scarlet letter. There's no one else that's as bad as me. Right. Why did God give? And it can bring this real like distress. Like, God, why'd you make me this way? Right. And despair of like, if you would just give me a different issue, I can handle those. Or right? why but can't you just bunch... like use your power and just make this go yeah. away? Yeah. And so the, the way that I would approach answering that is typically when it comes to the specifics of how we're tempted, yeah. there are so many factors that are at play. There's our personality and disposition. There's also our story. Mm -hmm. There are some people that, for example, with anger, the reason they're angry is because of stuff that's happened to them. Right, bad, bad stuff that is bad wrong stuff. and evil that should not have happened to them. Correct. That is that is an offense to God. Correct. And at the same time, as, as hard as it is for us to grab our minds around this, those things that have happened to us were not outside of God's purposes. Yep. God hates them. God, um, God obviously does not author and desire and want for his people to be hurt or anyone to be mistreated. But typically when it comes to anger, the reason that someone has that sin is, is personality disposition and then some history. So yeah. there's some story there. Yeah. And God is sovereign over that story. There are days he formed for you. But God wants to refine you and make you into the image of Jesus and form you into the image of Christ. And there are some instances where, you know, to use a different example, alcoholism. Right. Some people who struggle with um, being addicted, having addiction. There are some people who their experience with God is a miraculous healing. Yeah. And God demonstrates his glory and he removes that, you know, temptation. And yeah. it's amazing. There are other people that the way they find freedom is through the nitty gritty, messy, a lot of effort, day by day, repentance, confession, begging God right. and trusting God in our weakness. Right. Uh, when we would wish that God could just take it away. Right. And so what I would say to that person struggling with anger, that's your temptation or whatever your struggle with is, I would say to you that that is not outside of God's purpose for your life. It's not like God has his hands tied and is just saying, Hey, you know, I'm so sorry. You know, you just got to figure this out. But what I would say is there's a God who's sovereign, even over the messed up stuff that happens in our fallen world. And he intends to use even those struggles yeah. that are a part of our story and that come from our disposition and personality as we are fallen human beings, there are, there are graces in yeah. that, that God wants to use yeah. to make us trust him more, love him more. And I think of second Corinthians one, um, you know, the God of all comfort who yeah. comforts us in our affliction so that we might be able to comfort others. Yeah. God wants to not just set you free from that anger, whether that's through a slow process of humbling yourself, seeking counsel, getting therapy, getting some good counseling, confession, repentance, sure. prayer, a journey. But God also wants to 
use you to heal others yeah and use you to be a voice and a trophy of his grace that just like the apostle paul who had his own um, struggles that he dealt with he's an instrument and a demonstration of god's grace and his weakness yeah that god has a plan for us even in our sin and even in our struggle that he will use that ultimately to bring good whether it's the way we expect it or sometimes not yeah um that god is still going to use that and i think it's important too when we think through our sin and we think through even like something with anger and we think through like man it just doesn't seem fair right yeah. like these things happen to me and now i've got to deal with this and i've got to carry this and i think um for us it's important too to remember that our god is a god who ultimately has paid for sin mm-hmm. and and i can find comfort then in these two truths that we hold in in unison that that God has a plan, that he is sovereign, right? That he's working things together for his good. And yet that we are responsible for who we are, right? And yeah. so when I'm sinned against, I know that, okay, God, like you're good. Ultimately, you've paid for that sin on the cross and and Jesus has, has paid for that sin by his blood. Uh, but then also the people who have done wrong, like they, yeah. they're held accountable for that sin too, right? Our God yeah. is a good judge. Um, and so as we try to keep those two in line, we know that, okay, our God holds us accountable for our sin, right? But ultimately offers us a way of forgiveness, right? I think it would maybe would be easier to find this to be an unfair situation and maybe cast blame on God if he didn't then go the step of paying for our sins through Jesus on the cross. And so it's easier to kind of think, okay, well, that is a good God that I can trust and say, okay, he's, he's going to hold me responsible, but he's already, already made a way for forgiveness as well. Yes. And so hopefully for those of us who are listening, this is not just like, oh, okay, that's interesting to yeah. know that in my head. Yeah. Uh, but hopefully this kind of hits to the heart level. And I think a good maybe action step following listening to this content is who's a trusted brother or sister yeah. in Christ um, in your life. If you've not done this yet with your particular struggles, with your temptations, the things that you've got going on in your life, if you've never confess that to a a peer a brother or sister in christ who's mature they're not going to be judging they're not going to be they have their own stuff they're walking through right and again it's in your head that you're the worst you've got the scarlet letter everybody else is fine but who's that person in your life that you can share and say hey here's what i've got going on would you pray for me would you you be a part of you can find a lot more personal care that way too, right? I mean, you can search the internet for kind of general conversations that apply to what's going on, kind of what we're doing here. But really what's powerful is finding someone in your life that you can open up to and can kind of have that really specific conversation of here's what I'm going through. Here's what I'm dealing with. You know, why did it happen this way? And have someone that'll answer those questions, talk with you through them, you know, pray with you about what's going on. Yeah. And I, I'd just say to close, you know, the alternative, um, if, God, you know, if the situation was that God is just kind of handcuffed and right. he, he, I'm sorry, you know, this happened, he can't really do anything, you know, if that's the alternative, then why would we have any hope? Right. You know, right. we serve a good God who's able to make beauty from ashes, right. who can take, you know, the torturous execution of his son and turn it into the greatest triumph in right. human history. Right. If God wasn't sovereign and if God, you know, if his authority you know, was handicapped, Yeah. Um, then where could we draw hope that somehow, some way God is working this for my good yeah. in ways I might be, might not be able to, I might not be able to see it. I might not be able to really fully understand it, 
but I trust in his character. I trust who he is. And so hopefully this is helpful to you, and uh, we, we just pray that this content has encouraged your faith. And so we'll see you on the next episode of the City Rev Life podcast. See you. Thank you for joining us on City Rev Life. You can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review wherever you're listening to this. And we love it when you share it with your friends on social media. For more videos and content, go ahead and check us out at cityrev.org podcast or download our City Rev Church app. Have a great day.